Can you hear me okay? Am I, am I on? Good. Good, good. Perfect. Um, yeah, before I, I start, let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for your word, Lord. And we pray that as a, as a share from this new Bible, from your word, that it's not I that speaks but you, Father. I ask this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Um, I recently took a funeral. Don't worry, it's not going to be a gloom service, but let me just start there. I took a funeral about two and a half weeks ago. Um, but before this, this lady died, I, uh, I went to her daughter's house to, to be with her, to see her, to, to, to pray with her, to pray with them, and just to be there in her last moment, and just to spend some time with the family, as they were quite bereft. Um, this lady obviously died a couple of days later, um, it was a really, really sad time. Uh, but I, I was glad that I was able to be um, part of that process, part of, of helping them cope with the grief, being there to bring some comfort, if you will, to bring some good news to them in a time of quite a sad story moment. Um, and it occurred to me as I was preparing for this talk and preparing um, the past few weeks, um, I wonder if the family thought in their minds, am I ever going to see mum again? Am I, am I going to see Nan again? Where is she gone? Will I ever see her again? And it occurred to me that actually, there's been, I think there's been a lot of that going on lately. And if you look back on the TV a few weeks ago, there was also the funeral of our late departed queen. And when you watch TV or the newspapers and you read you saw so much of, of, of the family grieving, crying, being upset. Uh, you saw everyday people mourning uh, her passing, people queuing up for miles and miles and miles just to pay their respect. And again, the same question occurred to me. I wonder if, if these people have ever asked themselves that question. Will, will, I, will I see the queen? Will I see mom again? Will I see grandma again? Um, and, and there is something, isn't it, different about death and life. There are two different creatures. Uh, in, in life, we have what we think, all, all these choices. We, we have options. We decide where to go. We decide who to see. We think what we want to think. We behave how we want to behave. We, we do our own things. We, we are the masters of our own destiny. We, we do what we want. We live our best life. We eat this, we eat that. Nobody can tell me anything. I do as I please. I will seek where I seek. I will read what I read. Whether that's spiritualism, tarot, Luigi board. I, I will do whatever I have to do to find meaning in life. My choice. Nobody can tell me otherwise. But when it comes to death, death is completely different. Death doesn't negotiate. It doesn't hold back. It doesn't give any quarters doesn't give you a choice. Death just is. It's the end. And I think the reason why we tend to deny death or not talk about it is because it's this thing that we have no control over. We cannot control it. And it scares us. It, it, it freaks us out because we, we, we have no control over it and we don't want to admit it because it's the one thing, and if we're honest, the one thing that we cannot control and we cannot handle. And so it scares us, and it scars us, and it hurts us. And even to this day, it still does. 
uh, traumatic events and memories. I'm just going to share something about myself. Um, when I was 19, my, my dad passed away when I was at uni. I think I was 19 or 20. Um, so he's passed about 16 years ago. And sometime when I finish working here, I'll leave through just doors and I'll walk through the car park. I'll, I'll put my headphones on. And, and before I put my headphones on, or even as, I, as I'm about to leave the car park, it just hits me. Something just hits me. I don't know what it is, but it just hits me. And I'm walking there and I go, I wish I could speak to my dad. I'm walking on the road and I wish, I, and I just think, I'm like, I wish he could see my daughters now. I, I, I wish he could meet Sarah, he could meet my wife, you know. It, it just hits me. And, and, and it does that and it comes, I'm just walking I'm, I'm, and I'm like, where is this coming from? But it just does and it hits me. It's hard. It's so difficult. But before I jump into a reading which is more hopeful, we need to kind of go back a step first into the previous chapter to really understand what Jesus is doing. So in John 13, that's not a reading, but in John 13, uh, Jesus is, is, is washing uh, the feet of his disciples. Jesus, knowing that he's about to come to, this, to the end of his earthly life, to the hour for him, has come. Uh, he's washing in an act of servitude, he's washing the disciples' feet. He's telling them how much he loves them, how much they mean to him. And, and Jesus just loves his disciples. But not just disciples, but he loves his friends. He loves them with all his heart. And in that conversation, he continues and he talks about the betrayal that's going to happen. And he says, actually, there is one who's going to betray me sitting at his table breaking bread with me. Now, can you imagine the disciples are, are, are confused? They're worried? They, they, they are like, what? What are you talking about, Jesus? Stop saying these things. What? This astonishing thing that he's talking about, that this, this person that they love, they can't bear the thought of, of being without him. And yet Jesus is saying all these things. They don't want to leave Jesus, but Jesus is saying, my time has come. Peter even tells him, I will, Jesus, if that's the case, I will follow you right to the very end. And I, and I will go and I will die with you, Jesus. And Jesus, knowing what's going to happen, says, actually, no, you won't, Peter. And we know the story as the crow, before the, crow, uh, the rooster crows three times, Peter had denied Jesus. And so Jesus is speaking to his friends, his disciples, and they're bereft, and they are upset. And we come into our reading this morning. And we start at John 14, verse 1. After this conversation, Jesus says to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in me, believe also in, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you back with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered in verse 9, don't you know me, Philip? 
even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, who at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we arrive at our reading in John 14, and Jesus is offering comfort to his friend after the previous conversation. You see, John 14 is almost, almost read all the times at funerals because it's a part of scripture that speaks specifically of comfort. It speaks specifically of comforting the hearts of his friends, his disciples, and also our hearts. Jesus is telling him, don't be worried, don't, don't be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. And he says that in my father's house there are many, many, many rooms. Uh, and, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Jesus, what he's saying is to his friends that you, my friends, are not abandoned. You are not left alone. You, you, the years that we spent together, the years walking around, ministering, seeing people, they are not wasted. You, you are not left alone. I am with you. And what he's saying is, listen, I, I have to go away. But it's not because I don't want to be with you. I have to go away. On the contrary, I, I have to go away because I want you to be with me. I, I have to go away uh, so that I can prepare the place that you and I can be with him. He says, he says I, I've got a job to do. I've got a purpose, a mission. I've been sent here for this reason. I have to go to the cross. Because if I don't, you will not be with me. I have to go and do this. I have to go and prepare this place where you and I and all those who believe in me can perfectly, forever and permanently abide and live and be with God and enjoy him forever. What he's saying is to take heart, to not be scared. It's going to be all right to trust in him and have faith in him. The conversation unrolls and continues and, and Jesus further tells them that they know the way to get there. He says, you know the way. Don't take heart and you know the way to get to, to where I'm going. Thomas speaking for the disciples, further confused and says, wait, I don't know Jesus. What, what are you talking about? I don't know the way. And Jesus says in, um, in verse 5, Jesus says, I am the way, sorry, in verse 6, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you know me, you will know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him and has seen the Father. Jesus is saying, Thomas, you do know the way. You do know the way because you've been spending time with him. You've been spending these three years with, with him. He says, you do know the way. And actually on top of that, you, you, you know the way, but you know the Father also. 
you, you know me, you know the Father because you know me. Essentially, you're just saying, I and the Father are, are one. By knowing me, you know who the Father is. You see, when Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled, uh, it's an act of faith. And the disciples are to continue in the faith that they already had. And they are trying to stop uh, letting their hearts be disturbed and hold firm in trusting in God and in Jesus. The command that Jesus speaks right at the beginning of the chapter to uh, do not let your hearts... See, Jesus, Jesus doesn't say, if you want to. He says, do not. It's a command. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And so this command, when I was reading this, this command uh, uh, um, to stop having the hearts being troubled, it requires the disciples to change an aspect of how they are feeling. Jesus is not saying don't have those feelings, but he said to change how you deal with those feelings. Jesus is saying you are not to, to focus on those feelings. You are not to, to simply be uh, 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 consumed by your feelings but you are to, to, to look at them and then turn your eyes on an objective and unbiased reality a reality that supersedes how you feel at this moment a reality that is greater than what you are feeling in this time you are to keep your eyes focused on Jesus and the Father Jesus is not saying you cannot have this feeling. He says you are to focus on this unshakable, unchangeable reality that is, that was, that is, and will always be me, the way, the truth, and the life. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on me. The disciples are to continue to hold on in their confidence in the Father and the Son despite all their feelings, and Jesus isn't saying this just for this moment, but he's saying you are to, to keep focusing on me because I know what's going to happen. You see, the disciples didn't know, but Jesus knew. The disciples are to keep their eyes focused on Jesus because they were going to see him get arrested. They are to keep their eyes focused on the one they love because they were going to see him being torn naked and beaten down. They were going to see flesh being torn from his back. They were going to see Jesus bleeding. They were going to see Jesus having a, a crown of thorns stuck and, and, and shoved on his head. They were going to see some horrific things. And Jesus is saying, keep your eyes on me. Don't look at the circumstances, but keep your eyes on me. They were going to see Jesus mocked, spat on. Jesus carrying his cross, unable to, weak, beaten, ridiculed. They were going to see Jesus being laid on the cross, nails shoved in his hands and his feet. They were going to see Jesus raised up, unable to breathe on the cross. They were going to see Jesus being stabbed with this spear, and they're going to see Jesus breathe his last. Jesus knew what was coming for them. And he said, Keep your eyes on me, the real reality, not on your circumstances not on what things are happening around you, not in everything else kicking off around, but keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes focused solely on me. During, when I was at, in Cambridge just two, years, two three years ago, um, 
I, I lost my stepfather as well. Um, so he died, he died of cancer, and it was quite a sudden thing. Um, and it was this time when you really couldn't see people. You know, you couldn't meet with family, you couldn't mix. And I was in Cambridge, my mum was in London, it was an hour and a half drive. I could have jumped in the car and just gone. But rules, <laughs> government says you shouldn't, so I didn't. And I stayed at home. My mum calls me, says, Nick, your dad is dying, he's, he's gravely, he's dying. And I'm at home and I, I said, Mum, I can't come. I can't come. And, and, and she said, Nick, I said, I can't come, I'm sorry. And, and as, as so we hang up, and it's half 11, I think, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just there. I'm like, what do I do? I'm broken. I'm, and I get a call that he's died in her arms, and I'm just, I'm, I'm a wreck. What do I do? And, um, yeah, I'm just a wreck. What, what do I do? What do I do? I'll tell you what I did. I opened my Bible. I opened my Bible and I kept my eyes focused on the only reality that I knew that would sustain me through those moments. And the psalmist in Psalm 23, he writes this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And yes, the, the, the enemy, the final enemy, death, had taken another figure, another male figure, that I'm, whom I love daily. I know that the Lord is faithful, that I know that he is just, and he anointed me, and I'm here now, that I know that my cup, it overflows, and my cup continues to overflows, and his mercies overflows today and forever. For every day, for the rest of my life, I know that the Lord is good. And the psalmist wrote, I will dwell in the house of the Most High. And this I know, that I will dwell in the house of the Most High. And so will you. Whatever is going on, you will dwell in the house of the Most High. As the psalmist wrote in 23. To keep our eyes focused on the one that matters the one who paid the great cost so that we didn't have to pay for it. You see, this is really good news because we don't have to pay the penalty of sin. Jesus paid it all for us. He went away and made that way so that we didn't have to pay it. Jesus is our reality that we need to keep our eyes focused on. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And that's what he is telling his disciples in this chapter. Focus on me. Focus on me. Focus on the Father. Don't let your emotions, don't let your feelings uh, take you somewhere else. Don't be troubled. I know it's hard. I know it's going to be hard. And for the scriptures, Jesus says it's going to be difficult. But keep your eyes focused on me, church. Not me, but Jesus. <laughs> It says, keep your eyes focused on me. It is by knowing Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, that we can have comfort. It is by knowing him that we can have security. It is by knowing him that we can have trust. And only by knowing him and by giving him everything that we are can we then stand secure in his promises. 
this, the scriptures, this Bible on my left here is full and saturated with God's promise of good things, promise of love, promise of keeping, of security. You see, he's, he's, gone, he's Jesus has gone ahead, preparing a place for us, for those who love him, for those who he calls his friends, for those he's called his, his beloved. And like the song sung, that one day he will come and, and take us home to be with him, to live where death is no more, to live where pain and suffering is no more, to live where aches are no more, to live in a place where we are with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, with all the saints, just worshipping the Father forever. What a place that must be. And I just want to wind down with this uh, story. Um, and I'm sure we've, we've all heard it before, but it's, it's a story that speaks so much of actually having our eyes fixated upon the one that matters the most. And life can be so unpredictable, it can, it's full of joys and sorrows, and we know all that. But this story, I think you may know it, but hopefully, if you do, think about it some more. If you don't, listen to it. So Horatio Spafford knew something of life's unexpected challenges. He was a successful attorney, real estate investor, and who lost a fortune in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. Around that time, in 1871, Horatio lost his son, who was four years old, to scarlet fever. Within that time, he thought, you know what, I've lost everything I have. A vacation would do us some good. So he told his wife and his children, actually, go on a vacation. We need to go on a vacation because he knew that his friend uh, D.L. Moody would be preaching in England. Um, so he sends his family on a boat, his wife and his four daughters on a boat ahead of him as he closes up some business in America. On that journey, his wife and his, uh, and his children, the boat that carries about 220 passengers, struck another iron ship. 220 people lost their lives that day, including all four of Horatio's daughters. His wife was the only survivor of his family and she was found floating on a plank of wood in the middle of the ocean. When she was rescued and arrives in England, she uh, sends a telegram to Horatio and she writes this at the start of the telegram, saved alone, what shall I do? Upon hearing the news, Horatio as his business, and he decides to go to England. He jumps on the next ship he can. And on his ship, he, he meets with the ship's captain, and the captain tells him and shows him the map where the collision had happened. He says, this is where the lives of those 220 souls were lost that day. This is where his daughters died. And after that, Horatio went to his room, and he wrote down these words have since become such a well-known hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Perhaps we cannot say everything will always be well with us, with our, every aspect of our lives. There will always be storms to face, 
issues, problems. But Horatius' faith, his circumstances were nothing compared to the reality he knew existed in the person of Jesus. And he said that his daughters are not here, they are saved with him. Horatio could stand confident in God and Jesus amidst the tragic circumstances of his life because he had his eyes fixed on the one that mattered the most. Jesus, the one who paid the cost for him, Jesus. The one who paid the cost for me, Jesus Christ. The one who paid the cost for every single one of us here present. And I believe this, the words that Jesus is telling us is to keep our eyes on him. Whatever is going on around us, to keep our eyes on him. Whatever you may be feeling, to keep your eyes on him. With faith in a loving God and trust in, in his divine help, we can confidently say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who knowing life's uncertainties, knowing the chaos of life, knowing the heartache and difficulties of life, went to the cross for us that those who believe in him could be joined to him again. That those who are loving will be called his beloved. Father, I pray that for all of us now in, in, in circumstances that are difficult, circumstances that are challenging, Lord, I pray, Father, that uh, you would help us by your Holy Spirit to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, your Son the way, the truth, and the life, the one who made a way for us to come to you, the one who gives us ever-ending, never-ending life, and the one who is the truth. Father, I pray that you will speak to us in your next few moments and just open our hearts to your reality, your never-changing reality, your goodness, that even though life can be so crazy, and change continuously. Father, you never change. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory belongs to you and you alone. Amen. Amen.